You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share bad. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the Good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello everybody, welcome to Nerd to Know Basis. My name is Daryl Connor. this is Phoenix 92.5 FM, nerdtoknowmedia.com and welcome to the show. This week we have a change to our regularly scheduled programming and we're going to bring you two of the best shows, or two of my personal picks, from uh, the Nerd to Know Media archives. So instead of having a normal show when we don't get to record one or whatever, we're going to bring you stuff from our back catalogue of shows. We have... Hours of shows. I think there's something like over 300 shows or something like that that we have over nerdtoknowmedia.com. So, and they're all free. So, if this is your first time checking this out, please go over to nerdtoknowmedia.com where you'll be able to get all these shows for absolutely zero. No money. It's all there. There's also on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of good stuff there as well. So, please do enjoy the show. And again, if this is your first time checking this out, please do spread the word of the show, Nerd to Know Basis, here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. And of course, Hello and welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that's covered head to toe in paint. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is multidisciplinary artist Shauna SFX. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm all right, yeah. How's things? (laughs) Things are good. Things are busy, thankfully. (laughs) Oh, very good. Yeah. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Oh, well, we're excited to have you. <laughs> <laughs> we love having artists all the time. Doesn't matter who they are or what they do. We just want them. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, I love it. So you do a lot of things like, as I said, you're multidisciplinary. So like, why don't you explain a little bit about what you do and then how you got started? Okay, cool. So my name is Shauna. I'm a Dublin based artist and designer. I got started in art when I was really young. I think it's one of the first things I started doing, to be honest, that or I was really interested in animals. So people thought I was either going to be a vet or an artist and I ended up being an artist. So that's what happened. In my early life, I had a lot of big influences. My great grandmother was a big influence. She was a seamstress and a upholsteress. And I spent every day after school with her just making. She taught me how to embroider and knit and crochet. My dad built his own house, so I was always building stuff. And then with that, my dad was a painter. So he got me to come along with him and 
that's how I started with art, really, to be honest. He used to get me to paint murals, like art murals, when I was a teenager. I did a lot of them around, like, their house as well. So, yeah, that was kind of my early start in art. And then later on in my teens, I got interested in beauty, I suppose. That was the start of my interest in makeup and beauty. And I trained as a nail tech and I worked as a nail tech. So nail art was the other thing I started to kind of do then. And then when it came time to choosing what college to go to, I nearly did biotechnology. I nearly went into science because I was really interested in biology. But I didn't. Instead, I went and I did a portfolio and I went to NCAD. That's brilliant. So are there any kind of specific themes that you like to explore in your art? Like, is there anything that you love to paint or make? Yeah, so I obviously, like I just touched on, I went to NCAD. So the thing I specialized in college in was craft design. I have a degree in craft design, specifically ceramics, glass and metals. And ceramics was the discipline that I went with. And I specialized in mold making in the ceramics. And I graduated in 2016. So the stuff I explored in college would have been a lot around the senses. I explored a lot to do with identity and what makes people tick. You know, what is my identity, I suppose. When I was in college, I was looking at big thing with me you can't see me right now because it's obviously a podcast but big thing with my identity is my hair I've always had this crazy curly hair regardless of what color it is because generally it's a crazy color to suit the crazy hair so that was a big part of my identity and I explored that a lot when I was in college that led on to me creating a piece about visual perception it kind of led into me exploring the identity side of things, led on to me creating work to do with parts of my identity. So one of the things that's unusual for me is I have too much 3D perception, is the only way to put it. So one of my tutors kind of said to me, I think you have synesthesia. Synesthesia is normally to do with music and seeing colours and, you know, when you hear sound, you see a colour. But with me, the synesthesia came out with silly stuff, high contrasting images like letters on a bus would stand out from the background for me. I was once at an exhibition in London and there was this wall full of black and white photographs. And I was convinced that they were holographic, that they stood out from the photographs and I went and I actually talked with my peers afterwards and was like that that was so cool the the pictures that stand out from the wall that's that's really cool and they're like what are you talking about they were just black and white pictures so that was interesting to me and it led me on to creating a piece called do you see what I see and I wrote a thesis about visual perception and optical illusion and that was a huge part of my life when I was in college And the later years of my college life, I've always suffered with some mental health issues. I have anxiety and tendency to be a little bit depressed sometimes. And I was involved in a pretty, pretty hard thing. I was involved in a a road traffic accident, which left me with some physical 
issues and some mental difficulties as a result of that accident. And when I left college, I kind of discovered face and body painting. And through discovering face and body painting, it gave me this platform that was a lot quicker. Like you don't have to think so much. Well, you do think about what you're going to paint, but it's very temporary. It's something that you paint it all in one day, however many hours, and you take your photographs and at the end of it, it's washed away. So with the face and body painting, I started to explore representing my own mental health struggles and other people's mental health struggles in my work. I kind of touched on it in college before all of this, but it became a big part of my life exploring those themes. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that, I don't know about all artists, but for a lot of artists, they do have some element of mental health issues and they do put it into their work, which I think is an amazing way to channel it. But just how has that affected your art? Yeah, so like I said, I started to body paint, I think, in 2017. I had already started face painting when I graduated from college in 2016. And it was actually my friend, Orla Byrne, introduced me to body painting. And I was like, oh my God, because I didn't know anything about it. I was so naive. When I think about it, I just thought of face paint as something that you do for kids' parties and for children's entertainment. I never knew that there was this whole art form that I hadn't explored. So when I did find out about it, I ended up competing in the Irish Body Painting Championships. The first time I did it, I think the theme was Sweet Dreams, and I did this Eurythmics-style body paint. I had a male model, and I turned him into Annie Lennox, and I picked out quotes from all of the Eurythmics songs, because I love Eurythmics. And the second time then that I competed with body painting, I kind of got on my feet a bit more. And coming up to the time that the body painting championships were going to be held, this was in 2019, I'd actually experienced not only my own issues with mental health and anxiety and chronic pain, but two people very close to me actually had passed away by suicide. And it all kind of came to a head. I think the theme was Zodiac Magic or something similar to that. And it really touched a nerve with me because a lot of the stuff to do with me starting face painting was actually a friend of mine used to run holistic fairs and stuff and for me I decided to show my personal healing you know how body painting has helped me to heal and grow and literally like lifted I I literally painted someone lifting a brain and you know all of the magic and healing you know that type of stuff and it was just a tribute to the people who've, who had lost their lives because things were so hard, because in that moment they felt so overwhelmed by life that they didn't see any way forward. And I suppose my message for people is when you're feeling like that, you know, that will always pass. There's always a way forward. There's never not a way forward. And I like to highlight that with my work, I suppose. Yeah, as well as that, I think it's just so important that when people are feeling down that they do talk about it and like open up about it and, you know, it's okay to not feel okay and 
let people know, you know, don't hide it to yourself and suffer in silence. Exactly. Like I personally struggle with a lot of things. Like I said, I was in that accident and as a result, I've suffered with chronic pain for years. I also have a couple of chronic health issues that I've lived with all of my life. And I do suffer with my mental health and, you know, getting very overwhelmed with my thoughts and worrying. And I think it's important to destigmatize that because, okay, everyone goes through periods of time where if they're going for a job interview, they'll feel anxious and nervous for the job interview. But having anxiety is different. Having anxiety or depression is like constantly feeling that way and you know constantly questioning your thoughts and actions and getting through that and get moving past that is learning to to live with that as opposed to fixing it and nobody that suffers with anxiety and depression are ever going to be fully fixed but I think that other people could understand it a lot more and by talking about it and by me talking about my own issues I hope that it will touch a nerve with someone else that they'll be able to say oh hang on a minute I feel like that and you know maybe that's right maybe I can learn to live with it and that it's not so overwhelming that I feel like I need to radically make it a life decision you know like that yeah exactly and I think one of the great things about being an artist as well is that when you're feeling that way you know, you can usually channel it into something, create something. And then even if you don't like the outcome, just create something, put it to the side, but it kind of gives you a purpose. It gives you something to do, but it's also a way of like working through your feelings. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like I'm at my happiest when I'm making or doing or, you know, and like, if I'm having the worst day possible, if I sit down to start and actually start making something, it's like I zone out and I just suddenly, it, my mood shifts. And it's like if you put on some music, sometimes it's, it, that's all it takes is putting on a different piece of music or an album and just turning around your mood from that, you know, because you could be feeling so overwhelmed and in the depths of despair and turn it around totally within a few minutes and I think it's important that we destigmatize the fact that people go through these things especially men I think a lot of men feel like they have to be this hard man and that they can't cry or feel or show emotion and I think it's important that we all realize you know everyone feels emotion and expressing it doesn't make you weak yeah, completely. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with you on that one. And just kind of speaking of mental illness and stuff like that, this whole lockdown thing has, you know, very much impacted people and, and COVID has, you know, affected their work and their lives and everything like that. And just out of curiosity, how has it kind of changed things for you? Oh, for me, well, it's totally changed my routine, my whole life (laughs) and I think it's done that for a lot of people you know a lot of my friends are self-employed like myself and they're in the entertainment industry they're face painters they're body painters they're makeup artists all of these kind of services where you work one-to-one with people and because of the global pandemic that type of work isn't 
you know, you can't do it at the moment. So it's totally changed things for me. Before the whole pandemic, I was a children's entertainer. I was face painting at parties and I was making balloons. I was doing my photo shoots. I was creating looks for that, headpieces and nails and looks. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I suppose I felt like, oh God, I'm stuck. Because I'm high risk as well, I had to cocoon for months. I felt really isolated and a little bit alone. And then I realized everyone else is probably feeling this as well. And then at that kind of turned things around to me. I was like, well, what can I do that's positive? What can I use this time to do to better myself? And it gave me a renewed focus, I suppose. I've been talking about creating a YouTube channel for I don't know how long, since, since I was a teenager. I've wanted to create content for YouTube. I've wanted to get my art out to more people, a bigger audience. And it's given me the drive to actually go for it. It's given me the time to be able to go for it. And yeah, it's given me a focus. So that's what I'm doing now. So that's the positive thing that's come out of the pandemic for me. Yeah, that's great. And what kind of YouTube then would you be thinking of doing? Yeah, so obviously I'm a multidisciplined artist. I do lots of stuff. I'm involved in textiles, glass, ceramics, painting body painting you name it anything with your hands I can do and I've really gotten back into doing nails for art and creating technically different nails like so in Ireland the nails that are standards that you would get done in the salon are normally just a basic overlay and some color the type of nails I create are a bit more art based so I've got back into doing the nails I obviously am body painting and then I'm not the only person who's multidisciplined. My whole family are kind of jack of all trades. So my dad and I have decided to create a YouTube channel together showcasing that and that's how we're going to work it. So basically it's like a three tier system. (laughs) So Lava Craft is the name of the joint business with my dad. We started that Oh God, it was a year or two ago. We had the first idea for it and we actually went over to Maker Central in the UK and had an amazing time. We met loads of other makers and we just had a great experience. I did face painting on the day, I made balloons, I sold some of my jewellery because I also made jewellery. My dad was there and we had a great time. An unfortunate thing happened after the Maker Central where our trailer full of all our gear was actually robbed. So that kind of put a stumbling block in the way of Lava Craft growing any further. So I've got back into doing the Lava Craft. So that's one channel with my dad. And then my body painting and painting work is going to be channeled through my Shauna SFX. And then my nails. So Tumbelina Nails is a new thing I kind of started over the lockdown period where I push it out and broadcasting my nails. So how they all link together is I make a look. So I'm doing this anyway with, with my photo shoots and stuff where I'll make a headpiece, which would be kind of lava craft. I'll paint a body paint look and I'll make a set of nails to go with that body paint look. So it's three 
streams, but they all kind of come together in the one look. Right, that's brilliant. So it's kind of like your three passions come together. But just in terms of the YouTube channels, because it kind of sounds like you're going to split the three across different channels. Is there any particular reason for that? Yeah, so the reason for doing that is when you're looking at YouTube, you have to look at the demographics and the type of people that would watch the content you create. And not everyone who is interested in nails would be interested in body painting, for example. So if I had a channel where I put out everything, like my headpieces, my body painting and my nails, people might go, oh, I like the body painting, but I don't really like the nails, so I'm not going to subscribe to her. So the idea of putting it across three platforms is there's three demographics of the type of people who would watch the videos. So it gives me the opportunity that I don't have to be so stuck that the look I do every week is the only content I put out. For example, the nail channel, I make art nails for my body painting looks and they might be really long and extravagant, but I might like to put out some, you know, like technical stuff about nails and how you prepare your nails before you put on an enhancement, stuff like that. So that's why I've split the nails off to one channel because it gives me the opportunity to do that and go into the technical side with the nails. The same with the paint. I can go into more technical aspects of how I paint, you know, the brushes I use and the techniques I use with my body painting. And the same thing with the DIY stuff, so lava craft. My dad might put his videos out on that as well because he's a carpenter cabinet maker. And I can, you know, that will hit the demographic of people that are more into do-it-yourself projects and craft projects as opposed to nails. If I put them all on the one, I don't think people, I don't think it would work as well. Yeah, I can kind of see that. It actually sounds like a good idea as well because, you know, if say there are people going onto your channel specifically for body painting, then they don't have to sift through videos and nails and headpieces and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of, you have everything where it is. And at least that way you can link one channel to another. Exactly. Like I can always share, if I choose to share a headpiece or whatever, every now and again on the body painting channel, you know, that's all well and good. But People aren't going to want to, if someone comes to look at my body painting and techniques of how to face paint, they're not always going to want to see, you know, how I prepared somebody's nails, you know. So that's why I've split it that way. And I've always done that with my art anyway. I have three separate Instagram accounts for my art because I don't want it to pollute it. I know I like to do lots of things and I'm interested in all of the things I do that doesn't mean that everybody else will be, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Cause like, I'm, I'm more one of those people who I have my Instagram and I just throw everything up on it and it's a jumble and a mess. And I'm kind of working at the minute to like separate everything. So I think you're, if you start off on that track, I think it's a good way to go. Cause it'll be easier to just keep going rather than to try and separate everything. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Like I know a lot of people have said to me like, Oh, you spread yourself too thin, you do so many things and you can't focus on one. Well, the thing is, I'm going to do all of those things anyway. I'm that type of person. I can't just 
do one thing. <laughs> so I may as well split it off in the beginning. And that way that even if the content isn't like every day of every week, the content I do put out on those platforms will be specific to those platforms. And it, you can go through the whole page and look at it and see different sets of nails. And it's not a mix match of all the different things that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I think as well as that, like if you're doing different things anyway, it's a good idea. Like it, well, it's always a good idea to diversify in the first place. But like, for example, we had John on last week and he does magic and balloons. And he was saying that, you know, he'll do balloons for like six months to a year and then he gets bored. So he'll like swing back and do more magic. And then when he gets bored of that, he like swings back and does balloons again. So I think it's a really good idea to diversify to not only make yourself kind of more employable, but also just to keep yourself from getting too monotonous, if that makes sense. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, I'm the type of person who's going to do everything anyway. I'm going to jump from one thing to another. Not that I'm not able to narrow my focus down and, you know, get stuff done when I have to and be serious about it. But yeah, I think it's better for me to keep things separated because otherwise you'd see just, it would be all over the place. <laughs> really yeah. would. Oh, I know too well. I'm terrible at that. I just like, oh, I'm going to paint today and then tomorrow I'm doing balloons and then the day after that I'm sculpting, but I'm putting it all in the same place. So like everyone has to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Like at least if I set out, I've set this goal for myself now that I've been working on, like this plan I've put in place while I was sitting back and thinking like, what do I want to be doing with myself? And I have this goal in mind now. And once I have something to work towards, there's no stopping me. So hopefully we'll see what becomes of it. Hopefully it means that I'll make more content in general because I'm quite terrible at, you know, putting out my work. So I have the time now to focus on actually making art and enjoying making art again. Absolutely. And so are you working on anything at the moment? Do you have any projects? Yeah. So when this goes out today, I'm actually going to post a look, the start of this whole plan out onto my Instagram feed. I'm going to post a body paint look. And I have filmed and recorded each part of that look. I might not have it all out when this goes live, but if you follow my socials over the course of the next few weeks, I'm hoping to put out each part. Yeah. And actually speaking of your social media, where is the best place for people to keep up to date with you? I know you said you have multiple Instagrams and stuff like that, but like, how do we find them? Yes. Yeah. So I have three Instagrams and that would be the best place to find me. So my main Instagram is Shauna underscore SFX. My second Instagram would be the nails, which is Thumbelina Nails with a Z. And the DIY stuff you'll find on Lavacraft. Brilliant. And we'll post the links to those in the description anyway, just so that people can keep up to date. And of course, then once you have your YouTube has gone live and everything like that, we'll post it and we'll, we'll keep trying to promote you as much as we can. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you took the time out to be on the show and we want to make sure that you get, you know, as much exposure from us as possible. 
Oh, that's it. Doing it for the exposure. I didn't yeah. do it for the exposure, but it's it's an added benefit. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's the least we can do is promote people who are working really, really hard. And it sounds like you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Oh, definitely. I don't do things by halves, do I? I like to bite off probably a bit more than I can chew, but it should be interesting. Well, I think that's the best way to do it as well. It's like, if you're going to do a half-ass, don't bother. If you're going to do it, go like all in. That's it. I always say the exact same. I say, if you're going to do something, do it right. And my nana always said the same thing. She was a big part of my life and she was always the same. She's like, you don't do things by halves. If you're going to do something, you do it right. Um, that's what I'm at. I've always followed that. And do something you love and money will come. A lot of people get into art and get into these things with this idea that they're going to become a famous artist and it's all about the money and gaining money. And, you know, so long as you're doing something you love in life and you're happy, that's what's most important. And if you do something you love, it'll show and the money will come. People will support you and, you know, enjoy what you're doing because you're so happy doing it. Yeah, absolutely. If you're only doing it for the money, you won't last very long doing it because it is like as much as we love it, it's such hard work. Oh, definitely. Artists work harder than most office jobs for sure because we can't just show up, you know, it's on us. If we don't hustle and put the work in, we're not going to pay our bills. So yeah, we work, we, we tend to overwork ourselves often. <laughs> yeah, late nights and early mornings and crunch time and panicking and we don't get weekends. Well, and <laughs> That's it, because you're never off the clock when you're an artist. Like, there's no, you have to kind of plan in some me time sometimes. Um, that's important too, because otherwise, if you keep on that path, you'll burn out. And I've been there before, I have burnt out. Oh, yeah, sure. I think I burn out, like, you know, every couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, that's it. And then you'd, like, have an existential crisis and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a week later, you're back into it and you're like, this is great. I have a new project. <laughs> yeah. And then you have so many things lined up that you have to do. And then you get so stuck in thinking about what you should be doing that you don't do anything at all. And then when you actually start, you're like, this is great. Why didn't I just start? (laughs) (laughs) And then you burn out again. Yeah, that's it. It's the never-ending cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love it, though. We do. Definitely. It makes me me. It's part of my identity, like I said in the beginning. As much as my hair is part of my identity, I live and breathe art and music and it's just part of your soul. I think if you try to deny yourself your passion, you're not going to get very far in life. Yeah, absolutely. But is there anything that you would love to talk about that we haven't covered yet? No, I don't think so. I think just, oh, also I make masks. That's something I didn't mention. And you can find, I'll be posting I'm going to make a big batch of them soon and be posting them on Lavacraft. They're not just normal run-of-the-mill masks. They have the N95 filters and valves in them. So they have a pollen filter. They're really good for people who have asthma and that type of thing because they're a little bit more breathable than the normal cloth face coverings. 
So that's something I didn't mention that I probably should have said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and that's such a good idea as well. I know that quite a few artists have in this time diversified and they've started selling masks and stuff, but I think it's a good idea for, you know, as many people to do it because we're, we're of the mindset of that you should wear a mask when you're out, you know, if oh, not definitely. for yourself, but for p- people around you. Oh yeah, of course. Like, like I said, I'm high risk. I actually have quite severe, but well-managed asthma, but I'd never use that as an excuse not to wear a mask. In fact, I should be wearing, it's more prevalent that I do wear one because I'd be more at risk if I did catch this virus. And it's really important. I know everyone's getting fed up and like sick of being locked inside and, you know, they just want something to fight against. But common sense prevails all and you should be wearing a mask for your own safety you should be wearing it properly not touching the outside washing it regularly and just looking after yourself and other people around you because even if you choose not to wear a mask and you might be okay if you catch the virus but you might see your granny or your nana or you know you might come in contact with your nephew or niece who has autoimmune disease and they could get really sick and that's the thing we need to remember is it's not always about us it's about the people around us yeah absolutely I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you on that one yeah it's been an absolute pleasure having you thanks for having me thank you so much for having me on the podcast I'm absolutely delighted and I've been having great fun listening to all of the episodes so everybody that listens to this needs to go and share doing it for the exposure with all their friends because it's cool. (laughs) Thanks. I'm really happy that we finally got you because we were chasing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that hits all the right notes. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is musician, actress, and performer, Grace McKenzie. Hiya. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, cheers, how are you? We're good. We're hanging in there, still in lockdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Preach. Preach that. Preach that feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sucks being a creative and you can't do anything. Honestly, I, I hit a wall so often anyway. I'm one of those awful performers that will wake up at like 2.30 in the morning and I'll be like, that is an amazing idea. Where is my notebook? It drives my boyfriend insane. But that's what I'm like. So when you're stuck staring at the same four walls for, God, how long has it been now? Like a year? It feels like a year. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, where's my inspiration coming from? I've now written a play about a wall. Like that's pretty much what I've done. I feel like Shirley Valentine at the start of the film when she's just talking to the wall. Like, I don't know if you've seen that film, but it's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, I don't blame you. I know I'm, I've been painting walls and, and repainting walls, <laughs> covering yeah. them. And it's, it's awful. We're in a new build. So again, like as a creative person, you just stare at these big blank white spaces. So I ended up doing a full like music mural on one wall, like three weeks into the first lockdown. <laughs> I was like, I need to do something creative. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it came out really good I was quite shocked like I, I finished the big G cliff in the middle and then I started drawing the staves and I was like it's so wonky it's gonna look awful but I did what all creative people do where I added glitter and rainbow colors and suddenly it looked amazing so I was like yes 
Oh yeah. Glitter saves everything. (laughs) It's a rule. I think they teach you that when you go to any creative degree, they sit you down and they're like, this is how you pass. This is how you get your BA, but also glitter saves everything. Yeah. And you're like, this is a music course. (laughs) Yeah. How does that work? And they're like, just blow it in people's faces. Just bibbidi-bobbidi-boo in their face. You'll be fine. (laughs) So Grace, you said you're a musician and a performer and an actress. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into that? Yeah, yes. So I am Irish. I have the weirdest accent. So anyone listening will probably be very confused, but I've moved around a lot. So I don't always sound Irish, but I grew up in Bray and I joined Bray Junior Musicals Society, which is quite big for anyone who's in Bray will know it. But it was really just like a kid's performance group that ended up having a lot of opportunities for everyone in it. I mean, we got to sing for the the president at the time of Ireland and we got to go on RTE all the time and it just kind of at a young age exposed me to the fun of being a performer in all aspects you know whether you're tapping on a little bit of lino from your old kitchen or you're performing on stage with Gilbert Sullivan or whatever like it's just a big deal so I kind of got into that quite quickly and we have Ardmore Studios in Bray. Well, we don't anymore. I heard it closed. So I was really upset, but we used to have the studios there. And yeah, the, just the head of the group was like, we were looking for young people for the new Super Value advert or something like that. And they were like, we showed them your photo and they want to see you. So when I was about nine, I think I got my first really serious filming experience with full crew in a studio. And it was just so much fun. So when I moved to Scotland, I was like, I can't let this go. There's kind of like a high that you get from it. But it was harder to get back into again. So I kind of kept with the dancing for a long time. Because there's always ballet classes everywhere. I mean, you're swimming in ballet classes when you move somewhere, you're trying to figure out which one's for you. But the drama stuff was harder. So I then ended up going to UK theatre school, which again, it's kind of the same idea. It's mainly for fun, but if you want to do it for a serious pathway to something else, you can join casting groups and you can do different bits and bobs like that. So yeah, I kind of started that up again when I think I was about 11 or 12 and yeah, just got the bug really bad. I was always into musical theatre as well, but then I also went to a music scholarship school. So I had kind of the best of everything. I was doing formal dance classes with the fun drama and then formal concerts in Glasgow Music Festival and everything. So it's people say you get bit by the bug when you do it and you have a lot of fun. But I also find that when you have a really high quality level of that experience at a young age, you're always trying to find that again. So I had to do it as a degree. Like there was nothing, there was no other option really. I did try and go down programming and computing route, but the theatre called me. So that's where I went. So yeah, so I just, I ended up coming down to London and going to Royal Holloway because they had a really interesting degree where you could do 50-50 BA. So I did a 50% drama, 50% French in first year. And then by the end of first year, I ended up dropping the French anyway. I was like, no, I must be a full-time thespian. It is my thing. Uh, I cannot focus on books and learning. I need to be on stage at all times. So I was becoming one of those la di das for a while. But yeah, then I got my degree. But but even then, when you're doing the degree, all the stuff that you then do through that is insane. So that got me into the radio station, which got me into music journalism, which got me into theater reviewing for several years after uni, where you go to things like Annie or Matilda and you write up on it just for other people who are interested. So it's one of those 
ones where it kind of just snowballed constantly. Like even now it's still snowballing into other things. The type of acting that you're interested in changes. And for me, it's always been staged, but having been locked in the house and that devil social media platform called TikTok that just steals all your time and emotion and you scroll for hours on end, that ended up stealing my attention. So I started doing things like vintage acting, lip syncing, points of view videos, which has changed how I do on screen stuff as well. So yeah, it's just insane. And it's hard as well when you're younger, because you don't really know which way to go. And everyone always kind of tries to put you in a box. And I think because of how I've got into it, I like to touch on a lot of different types of things. Like I've had a go at the really serious Shakespeare, but I also love a bit of jazz hands and tap dancing. So it was hard for me for ages to find an agent that I really vibed with. I had a few that they were absolutely lovely, but I just couldn't quite fit in the box that they wanted me to fit in, which was unfortunate. But then I ended up getting a new agent just before lockdown as well, which is really annoying. But she's amazing. Like she treats all of us as we are us. And then she gets the jobs that fits around us instead of trying to push us into like a square hole when we're shaped like a circle or a triangle or whatever, which is what the old agencies felt a little bit like. So even then, like even during lockdown, I've still been doing video self-tape auditions and things like that. So it's been interesting, but like I said, it's hard to keep the creative juices flowing when you're kind of stuck in the same five kilometers from your house for weeks on end. But yeah, so that's how I kind of got to where I am now, which is a bizarre and crazy story. But anyone who knows me will think that fits with my personality. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And like, we do get quite a few artists on the show as well who do, you know, a bit of everything. And usually it's for different reasons. It can be because, you know, they just felt like the one niche thing that they were really good at kind of wasn't as marketable and they had to diversify. But you've actually gone into it thinking just, I love everything. I want to do everything. Yeah, just give give me a little bit of everything, which is, it's really useful for stage actors. I think the reason that it works for me is because I didn't start off doing like a screen class or TV acting class. Like the first thing I did was the type of shows that BJMS, Bay Junior Musical Society used to do, which was literally like a little bit of My Fair Lady goes into a bit of Grease, goes into a bit of, you know, Wizard of Oz. And there's different types of things that we would do on stage and there'd be dance breaks and other things so I think when you're someone who wants to work on stage you get used to needing a lot of more skills like it's like when Joey on Friends is like just say yes to everything like can you ride a horse yes I can no you can't but you say you can and you try and make sure that you can by the time you need to because you don't want to fall off the horse but it's it's a lot more frequent when you're doing stage work for someone to say, oh, by the way, as well as doing this, this and this, we also need you to like help with the lighting plan or something like that. I mean, a good example was a couple of years ago, I was working just for an exam board, trying to pay them bills that keep coming in no matter what you do. And I made a friend with someone who was in as a temp and we ended up connecting over musical theater and we had a great time and she told me that she went to a workshop with a writer and a lyricist from America called Sam Carner and Derek oh it seems out of my head I can't remember anyway she went to the workshop and she had a great time they kind of do a lot of very 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 American musicals you know very observant kind of musicals think Hamilton but 
SWRAP, kind of like that. And she had such a good time and she connected with them online. So by the time I started chatting to her, she was like, I've actually talked to them about being the first person to put on a UK production of their new musical, which is called Island Song. And anyone in the musical theatre world will, will potentially know it because Jeremy Jordan, who we all revere as one of our many gods, was one of the kind of test voices for the demo tracks when they were finishing the, the CD. So she had this potential offer for very little money for a licensing, which is very rare when it comes to putting on a show. But she didn't have any of the background on producing or lighting or sound or whatever. And because my degree was in that, I did. So we kind of, it went from chatting over cake in the staff room to about four months later, putting on a fully fledged performance in London, which is absolutely terrifying as well. Because as soon as you tell anyone in London that you're putting on a show, they want to know how close to the West End you are. And I was like, it's off, it's off, 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 you know, off, off Broadway is a term. They should have off, off West End as a term. But it went really well. And we kind of opted for a a performance concert instead. And through that, I, I was kind of originally asked to come on as just one of the main characters. And then within a few weeks, it was well, I'd also love your opinion on the casting. And then it was, what do you think of this sound and this lighting and whatever? And we just ended up kind of co-producing the entire thing. We shared all of the work because she had experience in some stuff that I didn't and I had experience in other stuff. And it all came together. It actually ended up being really good. It was a one night only performance, but from my nerve levels, you would think I was putting on a fully fledged 100,000 pound show um, in Victoria theater or something but it went really well and it was just another one of those ones where you do it because it's fun and you do it to see what happened it was fully profit participant which was a scary approach but it, it turned out well we we did make some money each which was really nice because we were kind of expecting to, to pull even as most shows do especially because it was our first one but yeah, it, it turned out really great. And not only that, but we cast people that we thought were excellent. But again, they were other stage people. So as soon as they arrived, they were like, I also have experience in this or this. So it became just a massive collaborative thing. And that's what stage people do. And unfortunately, sometimes if you start off on screen first and then try and learn into stage, it's quite hard to get that mentality. Whereas I think if you start with stage first, by the time you get to screen, you're like, yeah, I can do that. I can also do it this way or this way. I can do it on my head. I can do it whilst playing the ukulele in a, like a grass skirt if you want me to. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's just, it's a weird way. I think a lot of, I think a lot of us do many, many things, as you said, but it, it's funny how you can tell who's a musical theater stagey person and you can tell who's a screen person because everyone's as talented as each other. But it's just that the difference of like doing it because you need to or doing it just because it's another string to your bow that you just really want to want to do. You just have a day where you want to do that. Yeah, exactly. And like, I wouldn't be one of those people who's kind of in with theater at all. Like I do have friends that work in theater and I kind of help them out every now and then. But it, it seems to me that I it does kind of go the way that a lot of people who work in theater, they kind of, they do on stage and off stage and, you know, background and everything. Like when I was a couple of years younger, let's say, <laughs> I spent a bit of time in New York 
And I used to meet so many people that I would say, oh, what do you do? And they'd say, well, I'm an actor, but I, at the minute I'm working, you know, lighting for a show because sometimes it can be so difficult to try and get yourself out there. And like, especially in, you know, places like New York and London where there is such a high caliber. Yeah. And especially if you're, if you're braver than I am, where you pull the trigger and go a hundred percent, then yeah, you kind of need to get work wherever you can. And that's why I'm sure everyone's seen the retrain thing that came out in the, in the, I don't know if it came over as far as you guys, but it Oh yeah, yeah. We, we had some choice memes come out of that one. I think we actually shared a few on our social media. Yeah, that was fun. But it was just, it was one of those things where I didn't necessarily get angry at it because I thought like the concept was entirely wrong, but it was funny because it just made me laugh because I was like, are you saying that we don't have other skills? Because we've all waited tables. We've all worked bars till God knows when. We've all been temps in some kind of office. Like, it's hilarious because we don't just sit around listening to show tunes when we're not on stage. You know, we, <laughs> we do have to pay the bills. And I think there's, there's not many of us that are musicians as well as performers like when we say musicians like they often mean they're singers as well which is my main thing but I also do classical guitar and which therefore means you can do acoustic guitar and I'm trying to brush up on my piano as well so like again it's another thing that when we're not doing that we're doing this or we're, we're doing that or whatever and I used to sing for weddings and things as well because growing up Irish you've got experience in the church world and whatever so I was always the kind of chorister person for the wedding ceremonies and things like that as well. So it's, yeah, it just made me laugh really. Cause I was like, we don't need to retrain. We are already doing like eight jobs. Yeah. There was actually a really funny one. A friend of mine, she's been on the show before. I don't know if you listened to her episode, Fifi LaRue. Yes. And she did the, I think didn't the, the, the English government put out like a test that would like an aptitude test that would tell you yeah. what you were good at. And uh-huh. she, she used to be a circus clown and now she kind of, she does like burlesque, but also still very clowny, all that kind of thing. And yeah. she took the aptitude test and it told her that she should be a circus clown. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't make this stuff up. No, that's fate. It's fate. She should have taken a screenshot and sent it to Boris or, yeah. or everyone who's in charge over that way and just go, there you go. I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Mine told me I should be a teacher. I took it for the crack because I was like, let's see what happens. I was kind of expecting it to tell me to be something really straight laced, which I'm sure probably a teacher is actually. But yeah, it was just really funny. But I am like, again, like I'm also performing arts teacher when I'm not running around doing it myself. I've got adorable little two year olds learning how to point their toes. So I was like, again, I'm already doing what you're telling me to do, but you've also closed that work as well. Like that's also shut. Like what else am I supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like they're telling us to reskill, but the things they're telling us to reskill into are the things we're already doing. Yeah. So it's like, how, like just give me the new job then. Just start paying me. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I will happily take that paycheck. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even a a friend of mine that works, he works in theater here. He's a drama teacher as well. So he'd be in the same boat, you know, he's sitting there going like, you're telling me to do this, but I can't do it. Yeah, I know exactly. It's mental. I mean, so I I work with a group over this way called Brasmataz, which again is just an amazing name. And it's been, it's been so hard. Like we've had to do online lessons and 
like the really, really young ages, they do like crafts and things. And that's really hard to do over Instagram and things like that. But the students themselves, again, they're all amazing. Like everyone has the same energy at the moment of just like, I'm going to do whatever I can. So they still get up at 7am on a Saturday and do their stretches and do their dance class, but it's just on a computer instead. So I don't think anyone needs to retrain. I think we just need to to fill the void until everything opens, which it will do is what I keep saying, because otherwise I'll cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I'd be like, I would agree with you. I don't think it's that we need to retrain and reskill because, you know, like we said, some of us have so many skills already. It's just that we need a system put in place where we can actually do the things that we already do safely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard, especially... Like uh, there's a lot of things going on in London this time around second lockdown where anyone who has already been cast in any kind of show, they're renting apartments together or they're they're talking to theatres about the fact that they're already shut. So some of them are just living in the theatre, like genuinely they're they're ordering pizza in and they've got sleeping bags so that they can work and rehearse together in a bubble so that they can then perform together like regardless of whether the audience will be there in person or virtually it still means they'll be together which is really cool but I also just love the way that people have kind of like you said we need a system but I think a lot of people have already started coming up with some on their own I mean I watched zoom performance of Shakespeare's The Tempest about five six weeks into first lockdown And it was absolutely amazing. I mean, the things that they thought of for when characters need to touch or anything like that, they had a different person playing the hands in a different place, but they lined all the screens up to make it look like they were just reaching across the screen. Like it was incredible the way that everyone was like, this show seriously must go on. Like they genuinely came up with some crazy and awesome ways of doing it. Yeah, no, I will always be amazed at how creative people can be. Like even, like you said, with things like that, you know, where you wouldn't think, okay, we need to get creative with this, but like using someone else's hands, like I would never think of that. Yeah, it was, and I mean, it was even things like they they had corporate calls with Zoom themselves to to figure out how the algorithm would display the where the screen, you know, where the screens land on each part of the, of the computer screen to make sure that the person reaching out from their left hand would line up with the left hand, then on the table, touching the other person's right hand, leaving out from their right side of their screen. Like, it's just incredible. It kind of made you think for a second, like, oh, they are actually not there, right? <laughs> like, are they touching? I'm so confused. It was just incredibly done. I mean, at that point, do you have like mathematicians involved or what's going on? <laughs> I definitely think some physics calculations were involved, which is beyond me. That's when I would be like, yeah, no, I'm done. I step out. That's not my thing. <laughs> that is commitment, like to the max. Yeah, definitely. But it was very cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. But just, you know, apart from lockdown, because, you know, that's kind of you know, we're in it, we know what it is, it's affecting everyone. But so just taking lockdown out of it for a second, what kind of other struggles would you have faced then, you know, being a multifaceted actor, performer, stage person, all that kind of stuff? I think the thing that I find personally is, it kind of comes back to that putting me in the box thing. So like, if I was to connect up with the band that wanted me to be the singer, thank you. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. So Grace, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love your podcast. This is such a cool idea and I'm obsessed with everyone who's on it. So I'm feeling a little bit starstruck being on it myself. Not gonna lie. Oh, <laughs> well, we're, we're always happy to have, have you and anyone who wants to be on the show. Just everyone is welcome. Like we do get people who say, oh, I'm not good enough to be on the show. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> everyone. Want, yeah. yeah, we want everyone. Everyone is welcome. That, this is what we want. This is what we're about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So thank you so much for coming on. Cheers. Yeah. I hope you guys have a great day and yeah, I'll keep in touch. <laughs> And if you enjoyed this episode of Doing It For The Exposure and would like to hear more in the future, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-I-F-T-E Podcast. You can also check out our stream on nerdtoknowmedia.com. We stream weekly on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. All right, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, You go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nerdtoknowmedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Nerd to Know Media everywhere. Nerd to Know Media on Twitter. Nerd to Know Media Instagram. Nerd to Know Media on Twitch. Nerd to Know Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 